Hey everyone, Dan Teets here, welcoming you to another episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Movie Plus podcast. Um, today we are not going quite as far back into the archives as we normally do, but that is because we are having something come up, hopefully very special for our 100th episode. You'll have to listen to next week's episode to get some more details on that. So, in the meantime, here is... The 1960 version of Swiss Family Robinson. Enjoy! Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee, green estate in the land of the free. Raised in the woods so he knew every tree, killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode. Well, I don't know if it's exciting yet or not, but we shall see. Another episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan T. And as you can tell by the theme music that just played, we are actually back to movies. And unfortunately, Icky can't be on. We're still working things out. So, in his absence, I reached out to another movie podcast on Facebook, and I have Mike online, and he and I are actually going to be discussing the 1960 Swiss Family Robinson. Well, hello. Hello. I was about to say, don't tell me I've lost you this early <laughs> into the nope, show. I'm... That would be bad. And, and it is Mick. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, it's because you said, you, you said your name is Michael, so that that's where I said that. <laughs> I, I apologize. I stand on mispronouncing things all the time. So. I can relate. All right. Well, Mick, before we actually get into the show, are you a Disney fan? Uh, you know, yes and no. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been watching their movies my whole life. Uh, when I was a small child, you know, the wonderful world of Disney was on every Sunday evening. Family Same. always gathered around that. Uh, some of the older movies, like, the one we're going to go over today, I definitely find a bit problematic in some ways. Uh, Disney has obviously upped their game as far as cultural sensitivity over the years, so uh, that helps. So, so you grew up with it in the background, something to watch on Sunday nights, Saturday nights, whenever the movie would be on in your exactly. area. Exactly. Yes. Okay. All right, I got you. But you're but you're not a diehard died in the wool mouse head something like that correct you know i i have several friends who would fit that bill and yeah i'm definitely not a like disney obsessive by any <laughs> means but uh no i mean there's so many movies over the years that i just loved so much and i've been to both uh, walt disney world and disneyland uh thought about going to year of disney when i had my daughter when i took her to paris several years ago but didn't really fit in our our itinerary but uh but yeah, no, have fun at the parks. Uh, yeah, I got you. That that that's actually where I'm at. I'm not. I actually grew up where 
in a place where there was only three channels. It was CBS, NBC, ABC, and then Fox when when it actually came along. So to have the wonderful world of Disney on on a Sunday night and something to actually sit down and watch as a family, that was something that we did. If football wasn't on or if golf wasn't on or if the Orioles weren't playing. So that'll tell you where I'm at. Excellent. So, as I said, tonight's podcast is the 1960 Swiss Family Robinson. And if you haven't listened to Icky's and my Blast from the Past episode, I think we actually did the 1940 episode as a... Um, I don't even remember what I call the shows now. This this is really bad. This is how long it's been since I've actually done one of these podcasts. Well, welcome back. Yes, thank you. But it's our throwback throwback episode that we actually did, I want to say, a couple months ago. And so tonight we are going to be looking at this one. I'm going to be comparing it to the 1941 because I actually watched that one as well. I don't know if you had the pleasure to watch that one on Disney Plus before this. You know, I had forgotten that there was an earlier depiction of it, and uh, until I rewatched this over the weekend, and I saw that the 1941 was also on there, so I definitely want to check that out and kind of compare and contrast. I wish I would have had a chance to do it before this. Well, hey, it's the the 1960s. is definitely a Disneyfied version of the book. And when we actually get into breaking down the movie itself, that's when I'll go in and say, well, this happened in this one, this one happened in the other one, so... That comes as no surprise to me at all. I I totally assumed that the 1940 would be a little closer to the book in general and probably Mm -hmm. a little bit more, I don't know, raw isn't the right word, but just a little less polished, a little less Disney-fied. Well, yeah, and the fact that it was actually a RKO picture that Disney bought... Oh. As because I think Disney had some kind of deal with RKO back before RKO folded in fifties, I want to say. But Disney was actually looking to make a Swiss Family Robinson from the very beginning, and they wanted to set it apart from the nineteen sixties. And I can definitely say that they did. That. Gotcha. So this movie was actually released on December the tenth, nineteen sixty. It made $8.1 million, which is $74 million in today's movies, which with movies starting to open back up, that's not a bad box office. Oh, yeah. And since this was actually a wonder, this was probably on the Wonderful World of Disney, so you probably watched it a couple of times, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I can actually say this was my first time watching it. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is one of those that my mother loved. Uh, let me think. She must have been, I would guess, 16 when it came out initially. And I know she saw it in the theater. And so it's one of those, you know, over the course of the week, as you see the uh, the commercials for this coming Sunday's movie, she's always, oh, we got to watch this. <laughs> so when it, when it was on, was it something like The Sound of Music that came on once a year? Or was it something that just rocked through the rotation? You know, I it seems like... It just kind of went through the rotation. I don't think they generally on the TV show, I don't think they generally did anything on any kind of schedule, Hmm. except maybe, oh, God, now I can't think about it, but I thought there was some Christmas movie that always turned up. But anyways. Okay. Well, that's good to know, because when me and one of the other part-time co-hosts actually covered the, um, the Disney Parks episode, 
for some reason, the very first episode that they ran had the same exact trailer as the one that was like a year later when the parks actually opened. How funny. And it was for Alice in Wonderland, and I, we both commented on that, and I was like, well, that's not... I didn't think they did reruns back in the 50s, but if it's a movie and it's Sunday night, I guess you do. I guess. <laughs> All right, so the synopsis, which is care of Wikipedia, goes a little something like this. A Swiss family from Bern... Father, mother, and their three sons are relocating to a colony in New Guinea to escape the Napoleonic Wars when their ship is attacked by pirates and flees into the storm. The crew abandons ship, leaving the family on board, and the ship grounds on rocks off an uninhabited island. The family makes their way ashore along with the captain's two great dames. Father, the eldest son named Fritz, and the middle son Ernst, salvage supplies and livestock from the shipwreck. The pirates locate the ship, but Father scares them off by putting up a quarantine flag, signaling disease aboard. The family soon discovers that, that the island contains a diversity of wildlife, including a dangerous tiger. To provide safety and comfort, Fritz, Father, and Ernst construct an elaborate treehouse complete with a water wheel. Youngest son Francis collects various animals including a young Asian elephant, a monkey, and an ostrich. Ernst theorizes that the island may have once been part of a land bridge between Africa and Asia. As the family settles in, father opines that by going back to nature they have found everything they need in life. Mother, however, worries that her sons will never marry or have families if they are not rescued and consents to allow Fritz and Ernst to circumnavigate the island in a home-raid outrigger boat and search for other settlements. During their expedition, the brothers come across the pirates who have captured another ship and taken its captain and cabin boy captive. They rescue the cabin boy, but the pirates spot them before they can free the captain, who insists they leave him since the pirates intend to ransom. The brothers and the boy flee the pirates through the jungle, and the brothers later learning that the boy is really a girl named Roberta. The captain, her grandfather, cut her hair and dressed her as a boy to disguise her gender from the pirate. They survive an attack by an anaconda, but become lost and fight over what to do. Fritz's strong personality wins in the end, and they decide to press on. They rescue a zebra from hyenas, hy, hyenas excuse me, and a quicksand trap. Using it as a mount, they arrive back at the treehouse just in time for Christmas. Anticipating that the pirates will come looking for Roberta, the family scuttles their wrecked ship to hide its location. They fortify a rocky cliff top, building defenses and booby traps. Fritz and Ernst become rivals for Roberta's affection. Believing that her grandfather will return for her once ransomed, she intends to return to London. Ernst is interested in going to school there, while Fritz would rather go on to New Guinea to build a home of his own. Despite this, a romance develops between Fritz and Roberta, and the brothers come to blows over her. To relieve tension, Father declares a holiday to be held. That night, Francis manages to catch a tiger in one of the pits that they have dug. The holiday begins with a race, the boys and Roberta riding on various animals. The pirates sailing nearby hear the sound of the starting pistol and come ashore. The family retreats to their fort and the attackers fall victim to their traps and defenses. The pirate captain demands that they hand over Roberta, while his men sneak up a cliffside and attack from the rear. As the, as the family is about to be overwhelmed, a ship captained by the grandfather appears, destroying the pirates and their ship with cannon fire. 
The captain offers to help Ernst get into a London university and to take the rest of the family back to Europe or on to New Guinea. Father and mother decide that they would rather stay on the island and keep Francis with them for a few more years. The governor speculates that the island will become a new colony and that father will be nominated to be its governor. Fritz and Roberta also decide to stay on the island and the family waves goodbye to Ernst as he, the captain, and his ship's crew set out for England. The end. <laughs> now, since you've come into this as a as somebody who's, who's watched this numerous times, how would you categorize it? Would it be one of your favorite Disney movies? Definitely not. Um, I've always really liked the animated features a lot more than pretty much any of the live-action stuff. Uh, there's always, always this kind of quaint cheesy you know kind of thing about the the live action movies that is definitely present in this one especially with uh the younger kid francis <laughs> pretty much any any line he has through it is golly you know um so no it's definitely not towards my top okay but uh so if this was actually to run on wonderful world of disney i don't know how old your daughter is but you mentioned wanted to take your daughter to disney france or Disney Europe, I think, is the proper term. Would yeah. this be one that you would sit down nowadays and say, we have to sit down and watch this? Just because of the nostalgia of watching it with your mom? I don't think so. Uh, she's 16 <laughs> now, and I okay. don't think it would really resonate with her much at all. Um, and again, you know, back to the, the animated features, uh, pretty much all of those... Uh, we have seen together, and she really loved. Uh, but actually, now that you mentioned it, I guess I haven't really exposed her to any of the uh, any of the live action ones. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, some of these you're not missing much, right? As you would know, because you have listened to a couple of the podcasts, and you know how down I am on certain movies, right? But um, the actual differences between this movie. And the 1940s, in the 19, it actually starts at the very beginning because the 1940s RKO version had the dad actually sit down with the family and say, "Hey, I don't like what's going on in Europe, so we're gonna go to I don't even remember where it was. I think it might have been New Guinea or somewhere like that. It was yeah. some far east." island that they just wanted to go and become a part of the colony yeah in this 1961 they're definitely on their way to new guinea yeah because it actually starts with the actual shipwreck so you right. kind of get thrown in mid probably first chapter of the book oh, that's interesting i think i would rather actually have a little bit more backstory yeah. like that like the 1940 yeah so i i'm going to give that one to the 1940s version because it's i mean you you kind of want to know why a family makes a decision like this, or I would. I don't know. Oh, exactly. You just randomly happen to be on this this ship. Yeah. Going and it and it and it's just you. There's no. That's another thing. There was no captain. There was no first mate. There was nothing when this when the movie actually started. You were just thrown in and you're like, okay, I guess we're starting with the crux of the movie. Exactly. So we also had, as you mentioned, Francis, who made his appearance in Shaggy Dog, Old Yeller, 
and Pollyanna <laughs> and his older brother. They're back together in this movie, which means hilarity is going to ensue instead of it being a, and once again, my brain's not working. I'm susceptible to that. No judgment here. <laughs> but yeah, you, you know what kind of a movie you're in for with this when you see the two of them on screen together. Or, oh, I mean, at least the younger boy, because it's like you said, about every line was delivered with a, oh, shucks, golly gee, it's going to, everything is going to be okay. Exactly. And you don't, I mean, you didn't have that in the 1940s version, because, I mean, they, I think at that point in time, they were still trying to figure out how to make much oh, less. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's only, what, 11 years into the, the sound era. Yeah. And so we have that. Then the next thing is the dad in this movie doesn't care about the animals. Yeah. The 1940s version, the dad actually made sure that all the animals were tied off and brought along at the very first time. It took the dad actually going back to the ship to actually get the animals. And at that point, it was mainly because Francis was fighting for them to bring them along. Because of the oh, two dogs. Right. So, I mean, then we also had the tigers and the lizards. There was no tigers in the original movie. There was an ostrich, I believe. <laughs> um, well, the tiger would have been a little more uh, appropriate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> given the, the, the locale. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that might also be a reason for the difference in the movie. I don't, I don't know where the 1940s version was actually filmed, but I mean, they could have got a tiger roaming back and forth in a cage and put him in for the purposes of scaring everyone into the movie. Right. <laughs> now, when we actually start to talk about problematic things, is one of them the Oriental pirates? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you know, they're just depicted as complete savages, but then again, anybody whose job is to be a pirate, I mm -hmm. guess there is a certain amount of savagery, you know, inherent there. Uh, of course, it looked to me like there are maybe about four people of actual Asian descent who were, you know, had the most FaceTime on screen. Uh, and the rest of them, they just seemed like a bunch of white guys with, uh, some really kind of sloppily applied makeup. AKA John Wayne as Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and see, in the original movie, there was no pirates. So you didn't even have any real problems with the exception of them being actually stranded in on a desert island. Interesting. I mean, this is a polar opposite that I'm, that I'm as I'm starting to think back on it, that, I mean, there was no love interest in the 1940s version, of course, because there was no pirates, so you wouldn't have... The girl posing as the boy. I mean, seriously, the more I hear about it, the more I want to see the 1941. I think I will tonight. Well, hey, just buckle in because it is two hour. It's a two hour plus. Mo so you're and you're going to be in for a lot of montages, right which I didn't even know that actually until I watched it back yeah, in it the That is a little surprising that, uh, yeah, very cool. Because like one of them was they had a montage of the family actually building the treehouse the treehouse was actually similar this one was a little bit more over the top with the three different levels yeah and you kind of see 
just a smattering of them making it, but it's basically like, oh, look, here it's done. Here we are. Yeah, we just we had just arrived on this desolate island, and oh look, all we got to do is put up a couple boards and make sure that Francis <laughs> doesn't fall off the roof, and we're good. Exactly. Uh, the and I mean, I've got three more things in the differences between the movies. One is they had so much more different clothing in this one. In the 1940s, it was actually a Robinson Crusoe. You had to fend for yourself. And as you shot the deer, you actually used the pelts. Right on. This one, you had, for some reason, they had two years worth of clothing that didn't get washed overboard when the shipwreck happened. <laughs> so, uh, something uh, borrowed about, uh, I don't know, Eight, six years later by Gilgan's Island? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it might have been a three-hour tour that they were on. Who knows? It's true. <laughs> um, the There was no outrigger boat, of course, once again, because there was no pirates. And, <laughs> of course, with this being a Disney film, the final thing, there was a whole lot more action in this because you actually wanted people to sit and, for lack of a better term, be glued to the movie. Exactly. Instead of actually sitting and thinking about why these people were sitting or were stranded on a desert island that they did themselves. Right. It's a narrative that I'm sure works a lot better in a book mm -hmm. than on screen. Yes. W without the additional action. Yeah. So since we had all that, I was surprised that it was such a major difference in the two movies. When I was coming in, I was thinking, all right, well, yeah, they're going to make minor adjustments, but it's not going to be too far from the book. Not that I can actually say it. I've read the book. I don't know. No, I have not, actually. Yeah, it was it was not on the reading list growing up. So, yep. unfortunate. So, with that said, you say you got your paper in front of you. Let's go ahead and break down what other cultural um, faux pas, I guess, would be the best term for it before we actually get into the impact of the movie well i thought it was interesting that uh on this presumably hot desert tropical island uh the mother always seemed to be in a full-length dress uh from the collar to her ankles <laughs> yeah i thought that was interesting um didn't seem like it'd be very very comfortable or uh well practical actually well, now, that was actually one thing that I saw in the 40s movie. They And it may be because of when the movie was actually set that you didn't see women showing any sort of ankle or anything like that. Right. That might have been the reason why you had a... I mean, I assume that's the, where they're going with it, but uh, it just... I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Here I am... Busting down an old Disney movie for a verisimilitude, uh, I guess that's <laughs> something we got to kind of kind of work around. Well, hey, I mean that's the that's the whole thing. That's the reason why me and my podcast, my co-host, put this together was we wanted to see where the movie stood, right, and whether it was something that you could say is worthy of watching two or three times a year, or oh well, we're done with this one shelve it and don't look well uh, one other interesting thing was uh when they first bring roberta you know first rescue her from the pirates and do not yet know that she's a she uh 
they're talking about how delicate his hands are. And uh, let me see. It's uh, Ernst says, back home, we used to call Jean Manteau a sissy. And Fritz responds with, do you remember the other afternoon when we were wishing we could see some girls? I don't think we could have come much closer to getting our wish and still miss it completely. <laughs> it's like, whoa, okay. So uh, this will not be on the uh, the official uh, watch list for the LGBTQ community. Um, this is a little dated depictions there. Yeah, but of course... When you think about it, this was 1960s portraying 18... Exactly. Whatever. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, (laughs) certain things are a product of their time, specifically when they're portraying an even earlier time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just on the list of things that probably wouldn't fly today. Yeah. If if this were to be remade, which is one thing that my co-host and I always talk about this were to be remade. How would they do? Well, first of all, there would probably be a gay or lesbian character Most likely. Uh, because that it, it doesn't matter what kind of a show it is. That's on there. Right. But what else is, what else you got, Mick? Well, let me see. Cause I'm derailing you several times. <laughs> oh no, no, quite all right. Um, they, uh, they try to explain the different, uh, fauna on the island by suggesting maybe there was a land bridge between Africa and Asia <laughs> at some previous time. Uh, didn't know if that would fly. Um, the treatment of the animals uh, I found kind of problematic too, uh, especially in the scene when they they decided to have their holiday, their first ever holiday on this new land. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, just the the way they repeatedly mounted that ostrich, it looked like it was just in terror for its life. Uh, there's also a a very small donkey that seemed like he really just did not want to be there. Uh, that's one thing that you know, obviously Hollywood has uh, made great strides in over the years mm-hmm. is either using special effects for when an animal is injured or abused, and actually being much better about the treatment of the animals when, you know, in what's supposed to be just a regular routine scene in the movie. Um, let see. There was a good demo list here. Okay. Back to Francis. <laughs> Has anyone in the world ever actually yelled? Yippee. I, I, I just, it's nothing I've ever experienced. I just, I, I heard him repeatedly do that. So I just kind of wondered. <laughs> I don't think I've ever yelled yippee, and I've done several <laughs> harebrained, childish things in my 40-plus years. I can relate. <laughs> um, I guess probably the last uh, last thing that really kind of bummed me out a little bit about the movie was uh, at the very end, you know, after the, uh, was it almost hour, 45-minute setup and mm-hmm. 14 minutes or so of action, <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, Roberta's grandfather comes ashore, everybody's safe, all the pirates have been chased away <laughs> through the jungle by the tiger. Uh, the When father and mother Robinson decide that they're going to stay there on the island, of course, the uh, Roberta's grandfather says, of course, you won't be without neighbors, you realize. This is a new island. It will be a new colony, a new governor. I'm like, well, oh, okay. So colonialism, also an issue that I that I think about often. Oh, hey. If if you don't, who will? Exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, that kind of caught me off guard because it kind of meant that because the well, I mean, obviously the pirates knew about it, but since right. the the ship captain knew about it, now that they know that it's inhabitable, they're going to be bringing other people in, and suddenly the the thing that the Robinsons were trying to get away from gets thrown back on them full force. Exactly. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it's going to go exactly how they had uh, envisioned. And that's why they made a Swiss Family Robinson. I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, that you guys talk about sequels. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you aware that After Earth was technically a, well, not a sequel, but a, a remake of this movie? Really? Yeah. With, Are you uh, talking about the Will Smith, Jaden Smith? Exactly. 2013? How is that a remake of this? Or a... It was a con... I mean, now, granted, I'm reading this from Wikipedia. <laughs> um, so you Which we know never salt. lies. Exactly. Um, let's say a remake. Yeah, in uh, 2004, they announced that a remake was in development at Walt Disney Pictures. And production... On the remake never began. It got kicked around back and forth until it actually ended up being remade as After Earth. <laughs> so I guess uh, just kept going from screenwriter to screenwriter, producer to producer, until somebody was like, okay, let's just do it this way. Gosh, is that bizarre? <laughs> that That is the most bizarre thing that I've ever heard, and I've heard a lot. Yeah, right. I, I, don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I know. It kind of makes me want to watch that again. Please don't. Don't okay. don't waste two hours of your time. If you're going to waste two hours of your time, go watch Gemini Man. Okay, perfect. That sounds much better. It's not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Incrementally, at least. Yeah. Um, oh, one one thing I really did enjoy about this movie, I got to say, uh, right at the one hour, 59 minute, 53 second mark, when uh, the pirates had climbed up the backside of the hill from you know, up, up at the bluffs from the water, we had a Wilhelm screen. I I thought I heard that. And... Yep. Right when one pirate gets, uh, I believe, hit with the butt of a rifle, and he falls over backwards. There there you hear it. Uh, always keep a lookout for the Wilhelm scream. Yes. <laughs> Which, I don't, would this be in one of the earlier uses of that? Well, I looked that up also, because I, <laughs> I, I had actually, you know, seen it mentioned on, you know, documentaries over the years uh i believe it was like 1941 or something like oh 1951 yeah okay so it so it had been around a couple of times prior to them actually putting it in on the (laughs) exactly well hey that actually makes it a little bit better of a movie just because (laughs) i heard it and i it registered but now that you're mentioning it, I know exactly where you're talking about. So yeah. that's right after, of course, Francis is like, "Whoa, my my pirate traps!" Or uh, no, no, it said pirate alarms. <laughs> why they why they would let him play with loaded coconuts? I was appalled by that. <laughs> and you see him drop it, and then see that the fuse is burning slower than he thought it would. Pick it back up, like, oh, God, this kid's going to lose a hand. <laughs> oh, well, if he loses a hand, he loses a hand. If he dies, he dies. I mean, they got two others. 
much. This is the 1800s. That's that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, that's why they have and, big families. And you can send all hate mail to be kind rewind dmp <laughs> at gmail dot com because I know there will be hate mail. Oh my! And direct it to Nick had nothing to do with because he is a guest. I am the host. I am too, too kind. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. Um. All right. Do you have anything else that you would want to bring in to the actual discussion we get into the three questions? Because I want to see how you handle it. Let me see. Um, one thing I thought was interesting was uh, when you actually do hear the pirates speaking towards the end where they're waving their white flag and want to you know, make a deal to get Roberta back. They, of course, thinking that she is still the uh, cabin boy. Mm-hmm. Um, the language really, I thought was really reminiscent of the way movies depicted Native Americans back in the same time, like in John Wayne movies. It was uh, just a lot of that same, I don't know, same kind of meter. It was a little odd. Well, and see, I do a lot of reading, not watching Disney movies or recording podcasts. And one of the books that I just got done with like less than a month ago, Golden Age of Piracy. Interesting. And it was not inspired by this movie. (laughs) But they actually talked about how the accents that you hear, Captain Jack Sparrow and, which of course is a Disney, or um, Long Long John John Silver, Silver. yet another Disney movie. Those were not the typical accents that you would hear it would be more reminiscent of where a person came from and then as he traveled on the boat he would he may pick up a little of a lilt based or based on what the people that he's around were saying right. so this these over the top i can't I, i'm not even going to try to do a, a johnny depp impression <laughs> on this because as you know I my wish you would <laughs> no <laughs> My impressions are horrible to say the least, and the and the people that have to listen to it sometimes will. I wouldn't doubt they wouldn't shut off the podcast and come back. Come. That's how bad they are. So now some people do not realize that about themselves. So good for you. And I I do impressions fairly often on the show, but I will not subject you because I kind of want you to come back and do another show. Excellent. So that being said. Do you have anything else before we get into the three pressing questions? No, I think uh, that's pretty much all. Yeah, okay. kind of covers well, my notes. Okay, well, we will start with the first one, which is today's impact on, of the movie. And since you are the guest, I will let you go first. Um. So what you're looking for is how this movie, like any lasting effects it has in our society, or... Well, I mean, what Icky and I tend to do is we look at the movie and I write down the things that either today's people wouldn't understand or things that you would think would be common sense in today's movies. Like, like for example, I have down here railing for the going from the second to the third story of the um, clubhouse. The treehouse. Yeah. yeah, the treehouse. That's what. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. You you don't see that because that's not something that they would have done back in those days. Right. And once again, you have 15 kids 
You lose one. You got 14. Gotcha. And once again, send all hate mail to BeKindRewindGMP at gmail.com. <laughs> um, so it's it's that kind of stuff that I'm looking when, gotcha. to see what you're what you picked up when you were watching them. Well, I was, I was a little confused as to how they would actually even have all of these skills, these survival skills. I mean, if uh, they had any experience in doing construction around their home or farm back mm-hmm. in Switzerland, you know, that that would make a little more sense as far as, you know, how they got the, the treehouse together. But uh, just the gathering food and knowing what to eat and what not to eat, uh, it just seems like uh, they'd have to have a whole lot more kids to try things on. <laughs> okay, send that one to me. Yes, please send that one to him. I, <laughs> but I, I get, I get what you're saying. It's, and that actually is one. That's another difference that I didn't write down. So now that you brought that up, in the 1940 movie, the I think the older son was in the military. The middle son was going, was getting ready to go off to university, and I don't remember what the youngest one was because I mean he was he was an accident waiting to happen. In the first one, he got bit by a poisonous spider and almost died. Oh wow! So I mean, I was actually surprised that they didn't actually bring part of that into this mo- into this movie to make Francis more of a health scare, for a lack of a better term. Exactly. So, I mean, I've got a bunch of stuff on here, so I'm just going to rattle them off, and you can see, and you can say if you think anything about it. So the first thing is we got maritime law, because the the dad doesn't even think about, or he he says that you don't want to just start salvaging from a ship because you don't own it. Gotcha. Um, that I totally missed that. Interesting. Uh, of course, we had Praying for Miracles because this was a Disney movie, and back in these days, biblical and prayer was something that you would hear on a daily movie basis. Exactly. Um, we had the quarantine flag, which obviously we just, well, we aren't quite through it, but we're coming up around the first turn. I meant to make note of that, and I totally forgot. That was a very uh, poignant moment in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that had to do with trying to get rid of the trying trying to get rid of the pirates. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I probably yeah. am. Yeah. He, he wanted to uh, keep the pirates away from the shipwreck, so that they could gather more stuff, but mm-hmm. just uh, to make them think that uh, there was some plague on board. Um, of course, we had the railing, which. Once again, nowadays you can't have more than two steps without having a railing or OSHA gets involved. Yep. <laughs> um, I think the dad actually said tomorrow will take care of itself. Wow. And then he also said by the time we get to New Guinea, it won't matter how old the kids are. <laughs> Interesting. Now, I don't know if you've actually listened to the Real Life Adventure podcast that we've done on like the six or seven documentaries for lack of a better term no i have not had a chance to um i definitely uh you know listened to a few episodes now and uh yeah definitely gonna go through the catalog okay well the snake that is in the water that almost kills everyone yep i seem to remember seeing that in one of those real life nature documentaries and it seems to grow when it gets out of the water (laughs) 
So it looked to be like an 8 to 10 foot snake when it was in the water. And then suddenly when it was attacking um, Ernst. Ernst, I think, yeah. Ernst and the older and the older son and the Roberta. Well, I don't want to call her the Roberta. Because <laughs> she was the only other woman on the island. That's why. Okay. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, it seemed to somehow morph into about a 15 to 18. So I don't know if they just didn't take a look at what they were dealing with or if things look smaller when it's in the water. Interesting. <laughs> and along those same lines, we have the importance of a compass. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know that there was hyenas, cheetahs, zebras, elephants, and tigers in South Asia or wherever <laughs> this was actually filmed. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this should have been uh, around you know Indonesia, Malaysia yeah. area. Um, yeah, not a lot of that fauna there. Yeah, and I mean that actually goes back to the real life adventures because you'd because they actually break down in some of those movies where you would actually see these specific animals. Right. Of course, we've already touched on Francis not being blown to bits with the fuse on the coconut bomb, <laughs> which seems to grow and should have only been ten seconds, and three minutes later it still hasn't blown up anything. Uh, total continuity error there. I saw at one point when he's holding it, it's down to about two inches from the coconut, and that's when he drops it and kind of freaks out. Then he just stands there staring at it and picks it up again, and then it's about ten inches out. <laughs> so maybe they had a retractable fuse. Who knows? I mean, they they seem to know how to do everything else, so that's very possible. Exactly. I mean, like the fuses that went down to the you know the charges they planted on the hillside. Mm -hmm. uh, was that just like gunpowder twisted up in grass? I guess uh, I don't know. I didn't even catch that. So you're you're a better man than me on that. Uh, it's like when the father uh, takes the torch and he smacks it down on these these fuse things, and then you see the fuses burning down. He talks about uh, you know the. The idea is you have to make sure the fire gets to the charge right at the time that the pirates get to it. Like, okay. Well, it's, it's good guesswork, I guess. <laughs> so, obviously, he was a engineer because he knew how fast Asian pirates would <laughs> would walk on right. uneven ground. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Which led to how he could actually build a three-story treehouse that wouldn't fall apart the first time if somebody took one step into it. Which would be what would happen if I were to do it. Yeah, I'd be too afraid to go up in anything I built. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me as well. I tried to build a doghouse once. The back fell off when I was trying to pound in the ball. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, we have the pirates don't see the Robinsons until Francis whistled. Yeah, that was interesting. Why so, did he whistle also? <laughs> so would... This movie just have not ended if he wouldn't have thought, hey, let's go ahead and let them know we're all up here on top of the mountain. Right. Well, the other thing is they probably would have just, you know, kept floating around the rest of the island had they not heard the starter pistol for the race. <laughs> yes, that is true. I, f I forgot about the I forgot about their star starter pistol. Only moments before the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> there was a wanton disregard for human life as long as it's pirates that we're talking about. Yes. Now, to that, I, uh, I I don't exactly have any kind of cinematic bloodlust, but I just noticed that uh, with all these explosions and all these gigantic logs, which they somehow got up onto the top of the mountain, uh, mm -hmm. which is another story. With these, Physics. You know, 
Exactly. But with these, you know, several hundred pound a piece logs, and there's probably what two, three dozen of them going yeah. down. It just seems like the pirates were like, "Ouch, ouch, oh!" And then uh, there weren't any real fatalities until they started using the muskets. And then the final thing that I actually have is there was some ragdoll physics that was employed with some of the pirates. <laughs> the the Wilhelm scream ended up with one of those ragdolls. <laughs> I just it. I don't know if. I would want to be a stuntman on a movie like that. Okay, now we're going to have you flip off and hit this rock and right. then fall down, hit the next rock. It was kind of like a Wile E. Wiley Coyote cartoon with some of them, but I don't know. I, I grew up on Wile E. Coyote, so oh, absolutely. bring it on. As uh, long as it's the pirates, though. If anybody else dies, then that's a problem. Oh, absolutely. But I, I did wonder about that, too. Um, there was a scene pointed up the hill on the front side, you know, where they had the logs and when the pirates are just mobbing up the hill and all of a sudden, you know, father Robinson releases the logs and they come tumbling down. It looks like a couple of those stunt actors were not too happy to be where they were (laughs) because I know those weren't real logs, but they had to weigh a good hundred pounds each anyways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it looked like they were getting beaten around pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's one thing where, where Hollywood has definitely gotten a lot safer over the years, too. Now, let me let me ask you, was it just my impression, or once the pirates decided they wanted to surrender, was everybody better again? Because it seemed like everybody, they had numbers... like a smaller group, and then the next thing I knew, everybody was back. Yeah, their numbers did not seem to dwindle. That's what I was kind of wondering about with those huge logs. And, the, oh, the the first charge that the, the Robinsons set off... It released probably, what, four or five tons of rocks mm-hmm. that mowed all these guys down. But, uh, yeah, they all seem to be kind of standing uh, towards the end when the tiger climbed up one of those logs out of the pit and mm-hmm. they all ran off into the woods. It's merely a flesh wound. Exactly. There's your impression. <laughs> I took the high road I <laughs> with Monty Python one. instead. There's no higher road. Okay. Well... Do you have anything else on the impact of the movie before we move into how well this is mirrored? No, that's about it. Okay, well then the second question is, is this mirrored in today's culture? I mean, it's, uh, I wouldn't really say this movie is mirrored as much as just the, just the trope of, uh, you know, somebody being stranded in an inhospitable, very foreign place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a story that definitely predates this and definitely even predates the, uh, the book, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's a pretty enduring mechanism for storytelling. Yeah. And it's been made into post-apocalyptic <laughs> futuristic Will Smith engines. <laughs> exactly. That I have just found out about and will never feel the same again. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry I had to spoil that for you. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> I watched the movie once, and once was enough. But now I'm like you. I want to go back and how this was actually a remake of that. Exactly. That, that's what I'm really curious about now. But I'm probably going to put it on late at night, so that way if I fall asleep. I <laughs> okay, so, so we have the same strategy there. Okay, yes. that's good. I'm not alone. Good. Yes, you, you're definitely not alone. Um, I don't know if you heard my nine-month-old in the background because I've got I'm not in a soundproof stadium or studio. 
<laughs> well, I, uh, I made sure to go upstairs and turn off the furnace because I'm sitting right next to it. And okay. yeah, that would have been bad. <laughs> well, hey, as, as long as the furnace doesn't come to life like it, which we will be covering sometime in the future. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Actually, one thing that I just thought of, this is actually being mirrored in culture today because so many people are having... T- uh. Yeah, good connection. I hadn't thought about that. And I mean, once again, this is just, this is on the fly, train of thought, stream of consciousness thinking. Right. But I, I mean, other than people having to live secluded lives because of diseases that are out there, I can't really think that it's something that culture willingly takes on everyday way of life. No. No, just something one reluctantly takes on mm-hmm. when it's for, thrust upon them, I think. Except, you know, uh, Dick Prenicky, Alone in the Wilderness. You ever see that, PBS? Mm, no, I haven't. Yeah, old, uh, old fella went up into the, the wild of Alaska, and he took some camera gear with him and ended up making the self-documentary where he just decided to head out there. He had a backpack full of uh, tool heads, and when he got up there, he carved some some like axe handles and hmm. shovel handles and just kind of took it from there. Now, he wasn't the one that got eaten by the bear. No, no. Came. That would be Grizzly Man in the uh, Werner Herzog documentary kind of after the fact. Yeah. But now, <sighs> has anybody gone out and made a documentary of a family with no girls? Or actually, even for that matter, no boys going out into the middle of nowhere? Now, I can't speak from facts here, from actual knowledge, but I'm just going to assume that it has been done one, two, three, maybe ten times on A&E, Discovery, and just all kinds of different uh, channels that that love their reality TV. Are we talking naked and afraid? (laughs) Something like that. Okay. (laughs) I got gotcha. you. Although hopefully the whole family isn't naked. <laughs> that might be a little a little awkward. Well, I mean, some people are fine with that. I'm not quite so. Yeah, we, we all have our comfort levels. Yeah. And that's not within mine. <laughs> all right. Well, we will, since this has just gone off a cliff with oh, a yeah. load of gunpowder, we'll go ahead and get into the final question. Excellent. How does this fit into today's society? Uh, which I know we've touched on it a little bit with the problems with the yeah. animal cruelty. I'd say as it as it was shot, it does not fit very well into the society. Um, because you know, like first time I saw it, I would guess it must have been around seventy four, seventy five, or something like that on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I would assume that people who were you know, paid a little more attention, probably found it problematic even then. Uh, but I don't know. I think we've just really advanced in many ways as a society since even then, much less since 1960. Um, uh, you notice that, uh, like with so many other things, Disney puts a uh, placard up front. saying I actually that, didn't see the placard, so they must have done that since I've watched them. Yeah. Yeah, they're... Uh, they have that on uh, several of the old live-action movies and hmm. some of the some of the animated. Okay. 
basically saying that uh, cultural depictions in you may see in this movie were wrong then and are wrong now. But we instead of not displaying this content, we will. I, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's basically we will, you know, just let you know that this is good reason for discussion. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the gist of it. Notice, however, that uh, there are limits. Song of the South is not on Disney Plus, but it has been covered on this show, and it actually is the. And I had no forethought of this, but it is actually the next episode for the throwback set. Oh, interesting. That is one that I definitely saw as a small child, and my mother, who was raised in the Carolinas, ooh, it was one of her favorites, and I, I, I've talked about it since with her, and like, yeah, mom, that's 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 not too good, <laughs> not too good at all. <laughs> yeah, that was actually one of the longer episodes that Icky and I did. I mean, uh, since then we have broken the record on that, but it was because we broke it down, and then. When we started looking into it, we found out this is actually not during the Civil War, which kind of was a shock to both of us. Yeah, yeah, this was post-war. He was one of those, as uh, D.W. Griffith would put it, faithful souls who stayed on the plantation. Speaking of problematic. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, and this is all I'm going to say about it because it's... It's very well documented in a number of other podcasts, but if you're going to release things that are problematic, even if it's at this level, why not just go ahead and put your whole catalog on on Disney? Or are you trying to literally wash it away so that it never exists, even though all you have to do is just Google Song of the yeah, I've kind of kind of wondered about that too, because um, you know they do go through the pains of you know letting you know that there's troublesome content in some of these other movies, but I don't know. I I do kind of wish that it were available, but I at the same time I can see why it's not. So I don't know. You could see both sides of the story. So Absolutely. Okay. Exactly. And and I mean I can too, but I mean. You've heard my opinion. I'm not going to re- revoice it. Oh, yeah. Because it's late. I've got a screaming kid that probably <laughs> no one wants to hear. <laughs> I don't mind. Well, um, I know I know you don't mind, but <laughs> the listeners might mind, even though he is the world's youngest podcast host, and I am going to try to get that verified on this book somehow. Nice. Because <laughs> like he, star- he actually started... I say co-hosting with me at six months. He was sitting in his little bouncy, and like every once in a while he'd make a squeal or something like that. Uh-huh. And I don't even know if the podcast, if the equipment picked it up. But well, I ho- well, I hope you credited him. I did. I said I'm. I've, I've got the world's youngest podcast host, Thompson, sitting here with me. So if you hear something that doesn't sound like me, that's what it is. Excellent. Um, do you have anything else to add on to this, subtract from this, divide from this? No, not really. I think uh, we kind of covered everything in my notes. Uh, You brought up a few things I hadn't even thought of. Uh, Yeah, I think we covered this movie pretty well. Okay. Well, are you doing any other podcast? Because that's the last thing that I want to do is give you an opportunity to pimp your show for the people that are out there. Thank you, but no, I have not. Uh, I 
I've dabbled a little bit in filmmaking, doing some shorts. Uh, I play some music, but I wouldn't call myself a working musician by any means. Uh, but well, yeah, any, any musician that is working on it is a working musician, regardless. If you pick it up to make sure that you don't lose it like I have, then you're a working I like that attitude a lot. Well, we will go ahead and tie this podcast up, throw it off the cliff. Hopefully somebody will listen to it on the way down as it's doing the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> and it'll like look a, like a limp rag doll when it hits the beach. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, sir. We, As I said, we are back to normal, po- normal podcast for the foreseeable future. We have a, another guest host coming on next week to cover 101 Dalmatian, uh, the excellent. original animated version. Not the Glenn Close version, but that one will be covered probably 20, 30 years down the road. No, I just I took it for granted <laughs> that you did not mean the live action. <laughs> well, I mean, we're working through it, so one day I will have to subject myself to that movie again. <laughs> but until then, I am not even going to think about it. kind of like after earth so well you know in another what three four years maybe your uh, your little co-host in the next room uh might kind of talk you into watching it <laughs> well he's he's getting a mini dose of disney plus because he actually likes um pj masks i i actually watched the first spidey um oh. kitty show that's kind of a pj mask adjacent awesome so he's slowly getting incorporated into it, but I don't want to just throw him in in the deep end like some people do with Disney. Gotcha. Well, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old also right now, and, uh, yeah, I haven't really tossed him into that that <laughs> end yet either. But he's also very opinionated on the things that he does want to watch, and it's typically Dora. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well... I would like to thank you for coming on because you didn't have to do this. Well, thanks for having me, Dan. This is definitely a labor of love for you because, I mean, people don't do podcasts unless it's something that they care about. And it sounds like you do have some love and some care for it, even if it is in a what's wrong with this movie now sort of way. No, I'm absolutely a huge, huge uh, fan of film. Uh, Boy, I just I wish I could actually come up with a... uh, some kind of angle to actually do a movie podcast but you got this movie crush happened uh there's so many others really really loving uh i'm spacing his name now but the actor but uh roy kent from uh ted lasso hmm. is uh movies to t- movies to take to the grave hmm. i might have to look into that i hadn't heard of that one. Oh, check it out very really enjoying that one right now all right. Well, hey, we will have you back on if you are willing to come back on, and we'll talk about that more offline. So uh, that way I'm not tearing, tearing up any more of your time with your three-and-a-half-year-old. So, <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's been a pleasure. And until next time, stay safe, stay hungry, and stay away from those tiger pits. Bye, everybody. All right. Stay- Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. 
If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye.